You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. Punters and dribblers, welcome back to another episode of Hello Sport, the home of unqualified opinion and unwavering bias. Um, this is comfortably the biggest guest we've ever had. It's a high watermark, Tom, in yep. the history of the podcast. Yep. Um, it's not even close, really. No. No offence to everyone else. Listen, we love everyone else, but like everyone else would look at this gentleman and be like, well, this is a fucking ornament to just Australia. Everyone gets it. Everyone gets it. We're dealing with an ornament here. Yeah. And Very ornaments, rarely do you get ornaments. Mate, rarely. Yeah. Rare as hen's teeth, ornaments. Yeah. That's why they're ornaments. Living legend. A legend who's alive. But we just so happen to have wrangled an ornament, Tom. Yeah. Now, I don't know this, but I'm going to say it. Only podcast he's ever done. Look, if he's done other podcasts... No one's heard of them. No one cares. This is this is the only podcast worth mentioning. We're going to call it the first. The one and only Ray Rabs Warren, the greatest commentator of all time. The king, the king, the king. We uh, got to mention that tom- Friday night, I think it's about 7pm, uh, there's a documentary about his life, an ode to Rabs, basically on Channel 9. It is called... Uh, Ray Warren calling time, Correct. calling time Ray Warren. Um, a lot of people who have had something to do with his career uh, speak in it. Obviously, all his old footy mates, like the commentators. Uh, my old man, funnily enough, is also in there. Um, and a bunch of other people have heard that it's fantastic. So make sure you go and check that out. It was a great honour and a great privilege, Eddie. This was one of those ones we walked out of there going like, oh, That was fuck. cool. That was cool. He's um, he's just terrific, Tom. Just a good man. Let's not waste any more of your time. Let's get into it. The one and only Ray Rabbits Warren, baby. What are you calling yourself, Tommy? Nah, just Tom. Tom. Yeah, yeah. Tombo. Tombo. <laughs> nah, let's not do that. Did you get married? I did. I okay. did. Got two babies as well. Two girls. Oh, really? Yep. How so long did that need? take? Uh, mate, not long at all. <laughs> really? Mate, well... <laughs> Found out I was pregnant before we got engaged, but that was it was all in the works. Thank God her mum her mum knew that I was Yeah. Intended. I'd asked her mum for permission and then we found you were out lucky. we were pregnant. I was very lucky. Yeah. Skin of my teeth sort of stuff. Yeah. It's happened uh, it's happened before, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll happen again. It will happen again. Can you hear yourself in there, Rat? Yeah. 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 And the volume's all good? Yeah, it's enough. You know, it's enough. You know I work loud, but this is okay. You can put it up a bit more if you want. Yeah, fine, yeah. Yeah. I'm paying the penalty these days because I've gone quite deaf in the right ear. Oh, really? Mm. How how long into the career did that happen? What, the deafness? Yeah. Oh, I deserve to be going deaf. Uh, I, I deserve to be going deaf about uh, 25, 35 years ago. Right. Because um, I've always worked very loud. Um, only because it helped me get my modulation uh, and my tempo. I mean, but if you put a pair of headphones on and they're like jackhammer um, headphones where you can't hear anything, yeah, then you go hoarse in the throat and it gets very painful. So the louder in the ears, the better I I performed, I think. So yeah. you're going louder because you don't realise how loud you are. Probably, yeah. It, it's a bit like any entertainer, though. The foal back at the front of the stage. Yep. I mean, you'll you'll notice they'll be doing this sort of thing, mm. turning their volume up because they they too want to hear themselves coming back. 
I played in a band once, Rab, so I do understand. The <laughs> oh, fold do back. you? Yeah, well, not anymore. He was a drummer. I, yeah, I was a drummer. A drummer of So note. I had very little to do actually with yeah. the fallback. Yeah, I like to. So the band is now defunct? <laughs> the band's defunct, unfortunately. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's gone the way of uh, the cassette. Yeah, that's um, right. Mate, you- how are you enjoying the retirement? You know? Not very much. No? Uh, no, I, I, I knew it was coming, though. You know, I mean, you, you have to realise that there are some things that are inevitable. And I'm in my 80th year uh, on the planet, and I had to retire sooner or later, even though I, uh, my, my biggest fear, I hadn't reached that, I don't think, and that was I didn't want to undo whatever good I've done. Uh, both for the game and myself and my family. You, you know, I, I didn't want to undo the good by going one step too far. Um, and I knew that moment couldn't be too far down the avenue, but I hadn't quite reached it. So I thought, I'll pull the pin now. This was mid-season, mid-off-season, I should say, after the 21 grand final between South and Penrith. I was comfortable with that, and I thought, that'll do. I'll, I'll give it a miss. But I wasn't going to announce it until I'd sat down and watched for about six weeks the first six rounds of this year. And I was able to get through that. Um, why, why was that? Why was you waiting for the first six rounds? I just wanted to see whether or not I could be a viewer and not a broadcaster. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you have a strong feeling in the 21 grand final that would be your last? No, I didn't. But uh, I've got to tell you, Ed, that um, we were broadcasting a lot from the studio and I'd never done that before. All, all of the younger commentators, it was basically second nature. They'd been born and bred on it. But I had never done it because I always wanted to be at the game and able to hear the crowd and get my own light and shade um, from what the crowd are telling me. This is exciting, this is not. Up, down. So here I am in a studio and all that's there are a few cameramen and um, a few commentators and we're watching it on a screen. And it was um, pretty pretty nerve-wracking for somebody my age who hadn't done it before. But I'd got through three origins and then I tackled the grand final And I came away, this is all after the event, I came away feeling comfortable and happy. Mm. And I'd also conquered one of my great fears, having to to work off the tube. Um, So then in the uh, following few months, I thought, I've really had a happy year, a comfortable year. I think I might call it quits. But then I wanted to watch for six weeks, if uh, if it was six weeks. what it was like to be a viewer and not a not a not a commentator. Is there a sense of nostalgia for you, like calling it off the TV instead of being at the ground, almost as if that's the way commentary's gone now, and that you know the old school way of commentary commentating with the binoculars and the window open and the crowd is sort of a thing of the past. Where'd you learn that from? Uh, we were talking to Ray Hadley. Yeah, well. Yeah, Boltz, uh, he, he knows exactly what, what I'm talking about. Mm. You know, that was the, that was the normal, you know. Um, I started out sitting on the sideline at a card table uh, with a deck chair and Frank Hyde would be on my right and Tiger Black on my left with John O'Reilly and Cole Pearce and 
you know, you needed binoculars to actually broadcast. You were down on ground level where elevation is absolutely beautiful in, in commentary, um, no matter what the sport, whatever the event. But I, um, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, suddenly, telecasters, they, they knew they could save a lot of money. Uh, no airfares, no accommodation, we'll get them to call it off the tube. You know, Olympic Games, uh, a lot of that comes out of, say, Melbourne or Brisbane or Sydney with a commentator sitting in a booth somewhere 13,000 miles away from the Olympic Games. Mm. Um, it's been going on for a while, but this poor old bloke, I'd never had to do it. And um, it was probably the final hurdle that I was happy to jump. Yeah, that, that's the best way to put it. I thought you would have enjoyed not having to fly. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, you know, I could, I could have gone to 100. <laughs> had, I, had I have known that it wasn't that, it wasn't that bloody hard. <laughs> I mean, you know me pretty well, Tommy. You know, I, I, get, I get quite nervy and uh, I apologise for that. But had I have known it was that simple... <laughs> Uh, and convenient and comfortable for me because I hate flying. You know, I think Qantas hates me because I keep saying it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I could have gone, I think, till I was 100. Mm. But inevitably, one of two things would have happened. One, I would have dropped dead. Or two, <laughs> I would have undone whatever good I might have done. And so that fear you speak of, is that sort of just not being able to reach the heights that you'd once reached or that you'd sort of um, mispronounce names or get the call wrong? Was that the general fear that you had? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not going to mention names, but I worked on... <laughs> I reckon we can work out a couple. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I, I don't think you can because they're, they're quite quite uh, aged people. Oh, okay. But, but uh, a couple I worked alongside, they, they were getting names wrong. I'm talking about... Keep in mind, I'm talking horse racing and uh, football. Okay, sorry, I thought you were talking players' names who and, were a mouthful. Like, I'll come to that, but, you know, I'm talking about all the sports that I've covered, um, and horse racing was one of them. Mm. Swimming was another. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I, I just um, was worried about, yeah, calling, calling Ed uh, Tom and Tom Ed mm. um, and not knowing. It's all very well yeah. to make a mistake. Let, let me tell you something. You're, you're in for a, a, a career, both of you, obviously. Well, I hope so. But <laughs> so do I. <laughs> to make a mistake, <clears throat> to make a mistake and not knowing you made the mistake, that's the problem. To make a mistake and be able to apologise, that's not a problem. Mm. So that was, that was my fear, going to work... And perhaps calling Peter Sterling Paul Taylor for the entire match. Yeah. Or like Sterlo did one day, he, he thought Rod Wishart playing for Illawarra was Rod Stewart. And, <laughs> and, and, I, and I, had to, I had to jump all over him. I said, yeah, and that's Maggie May sitting out the front of the broadcast box. You know. But he knew, he knew when I told him that he'd made a mistake and, oh, my God, talk about <laughs> Talk about Peter Perfect. He he really bashed himself up over that. But I, I love to remind him, you know. Yeah, I said, Wishart, he scores a beautiful try down in that northeastern corner. And Sterling does the first replay, you know. And he said, 
Well, he said, that's incredible by Rod Stewart. <laughs> I said, <laughs> yeah. Have you got any of those, any howlers that you've had over the years where you've been like, oh, my God. Oh, well, I can be uh, – I won't go into it too deeply. I remember a bloke called Hunt. Uh, <laughs> Carmichael. <laughs> Carmichael didn't help my career. No. Yeah, Carmichael got a few people, I think, over yeah, his career. Yeah. I think he might have. Do you have a um, – we were talking about this before. Like, do you have a moment that you think you, like, you nailed the best, the moment where it called for you to absolutely deliver from a commentary perspective that you just came away going like, yes, nailed it? Well, I hope I, I, hope I d- wouldn't do that. I'd, I'd, well. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think I've – uh, got a bit of humility about myself, you know. I, I know a couple of people that are like that, you know. But um, I, I guess I've got to go back to that that Mark Coyne try, the miracle mm. try. I, I was just lucky. I here I am. It's a minute to go. I think in a in a in an Origin match, and the ball sweeps across the park and then sweeps back, and it's gone through eleven sets of hands, and you get. You get them all right. Uh, you know you've got them all right. I haven't mispronounced one. I've called the whole lot of them. And then there we are. Mm. And it's a miracle. So uh, obviously, yeah, I, I agree. You're not the type to, you know, sh- you know, shoot fake pistols out of your hands and you do something good. But there must be a level of, like, satisfaction when you come away from a moment like that. You know? Oh, yeah. No, huge. You, you, I, you know, yeah, you feel good inside, but you don't. You don't sort of dwell on it. No, you don't stand in the back of the utility and, you know, and go, hey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much work would you put into, I think, sort of setting the foundations to make a call like that, do you think? Like, is it sort of, how much would you work on honing your craft away from TV or broadcasting? Not very much. Not very much, really. I'd done most of my... Uh, impersonating and pretending and practicing uh, from the t- from the age of seven or eight until I actually got asked, uh, "Can you broadcast football? We need a football commentator." And I said, "Yeah, I I, I can call football," um, which was a total lie. <laughs> you know, I'd never call football in my life, and uh, <laughs> this fellow gave me a job on a on a radio station. God love them, two LF Young. And my first match was Bar Medman versus West Wylong, and I, I'd never seen any of them, and I, I'd never called a football match. But he didn't know that, so he gave me the job, and that's how it all started. Wow! Were you calling off the the program? How do you know their names? Well, no, it's it's very uh, well. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I'll 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 just fess up a little bit. Hmm. I drove to Bar Medman from Young, and people that live down there would know that's a, that's a fair trip hmm. on corrugated gravel. Um, on Tuesday night, I did that to Bar Medman. Wednesday night, uh, Thursday night, I did it to West Wylong. So I had some idea of, of who they were. But if you think you can call from numbers, you've got another thing coming. Um, because when they're running towards you, you're in big trouble. You can't see the number. <laughs> That's a good point. So you can't you can't call from numbers. Um, it, well, you can when they're running away from you, but it's it just so happens in life, Ed. Uh, sometimes they're running towards you. <laughs> that's right. And that's why I, I would always say um, uh, with the Morris twins or the Burgess twins, uh, you know, uh, you just can't identify them accurately. And then I found, I found that the, the, 
the twins, um, Morris, the twins Morris, one was wearing Adidas and the other one was wearing Asics, I fancy. So I actually called them off their boots. <laughs> it's, it's true. Seriously. Would you ever put a request in to the Morris brothers if you found out they were wearing the same coloured boots? Just yeah. Well, <laughs> this is... This is probably not the right time to, to, to mention this, but Chris and Paul Dawson, Chris <laughs> yes. and Paul Dawson yes. at Newtown, mm. uh, I took with me, when I was doing Newtown games on radio, of course, I would take a, a reel of blue electrician's tape and a reel of white and I'd ask one of them to put the white on and the other to put the blue on around here to, to tie your ears down. And uh, they did exactly that to me. Uh, so for the entire match, I got them wrong. The bloke that was supposed to be blue, he was white, and the white was blue. So they got me. Uh, they got me good. Punters and dribblers, as always, we are brought to you by the primo betting platform of this great nation of ours, and that's Ned's. Big fans of Neds. We love Neds. They uh, have been huge supporters of us, huge supporters of everything we do over here, and we love them. Now... Eddie, if you're a punter or a dribbler and you want to engage with the community on Neds, how are you doing it? It's very, very simple. Either you can follow Tom and I, it's even Tobler if you're a loser, you can follow our profiles in the Neds profile section, but I think a greater use of your time is to join the About Even group, under groups. Now, the code to get in is dribbler. If it's not dribbler, it's dribblers. Forgive me. There you can follow all our tips. Me, Sebos, Gurus, Burmos, sometimes Tobler, but again, who cares about him? It's a great community environment where we tip winners, we tip losers, mostly learners, losers, but sometimes winners. That's it. Shout out to Neds. Now, what's gambling really costing you? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Punters and dribblers, you voted with your, with your mouths, and Good Day has been popular with you all so far. Thank you very much to everyone who has uh, got around it, sampled it, tried it. But there's plenty more to go around, and we, we, we believe in this thing, the daily multivitamin, and we think you all should have a go. There's more gullets to be pounded. Correct. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at the gullets of this nation, not enough gullets... Full of good day. That's right. For mine. Well, listen, we see it. We we see we see gullets that need to be filled, and we are in the business of filling gullets. I'll say this, Ed. We've been on it for a while now, and it helps uh, with mental clarity. It helps with energy throughout the day. Uh, it helps with liver cleanliness and function. Which we, I health. know, I know. There's a shitload of you that need that. There's I a know shitload of you. Out there. For a fact, you need a good scrub of the internals. Correct. I know that. For we sure. know it. now. If you already got your own multivitamin that you're taking, don't bother changing. We're not asking you to change. But if you can you, if you want. You can, but you don't have to. But if you do nothing, if you do nothing for your health, then you've got to start somewhere. Now, if it's a run for you, that's great. But your nutritional health is something that we all fucking ignore. Good day is an opportunity for you to make smart decisions. The least you can do is a little good day. Use the code dribblers for 20% off, punters and dribblers. 20% off. It's our gift from us to you. BeGoodHealth.com.au Do you have an era of rugby league that you enjoyed the most commentating? Well, I guess maybe like players or where the style, the game was a certain way. Is there an era that sticks out to you as the, you know, the one you enjoyed the most? An era? Yeah. Yeah, I think the one I finished on, really. Uh, that's one thing I, I guess I'm happy about. I, I know I'm, 
of a dinosaurial age. <laughs> but I, I'm not one of those people that longs for the old days of football. Um, I understand the legalities involved if uh, directors and commissioners don't realise they have a duty. They have a duty uh, to try and protect players from injuries mm. that they can protect them from to a degree. And as a result of that, the game has become faster. They are more athletic. They, they are professional these days. In fairness to the old brigade, the old brigade would go and have five schooners on their way home from training. Mm. Um, so these fellows are just super fit. They're super athletes. What they do to score tries is incredible. Uh, given that the corner post is not even important anymore. But how many tries would Ken Irvine have scored if the corner post hadn't have been in play? Mm. Um, But I'm just, I'm digressing there. Do you ever find just when you are watching it at home now that you slip into a bit of commentary, like just as a reaction if something crazy happens? Not as in calling it, but it's like the, you know, you're like, oh! (laughs) (laughs) I I, I understand the... (laughs) Thank you, Billy, for the question. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, we'll get to that. Had a bit of Billy about it. <laughs> Bloody Billy. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we may as well touch on Bill, well. on Dad. What's what? What was it like having someone, you know, uh, take the piss out of you, or you know, imitate you in that sort of? Was he? Was he like? Uh, was he famous by the time he started knocking you off? Because he'd said to me that you guys actually knew each other. Earlier on, you met at a radio say, station or something? When you say knocking me off, can you just clarify what you mean? <laughs> what do you mean, man? Uh, impersonating you on the... Uh, yeah. Well, no, actually, I... I was impersonating his brother a lot of the time. Well, yeah, it? that's true. Well, yeah, he had, he had three brothers or four brothers, and then he invented a brother that uh, didn't exist, but he, he wanted the world to think that we had a fourth brother outside of Bob and Jack and Ray that the family didn't recognise. In other words, he's the black sheep of the family. And he, he, he kept harping on this. And then one day on radio, uh, you were, you were in, involved in this. You were, you were producing. And when I got in the car, um, he'd been on the show and he'd been talking about Rick, <laughs> which Rick didn't, didn't exist, you know. And um, when I got in the car, the phone rang. It was him, and he was he was quite old at the time. You know, he was in his certainly in his eighties. And he said, "I didn't know we had another brother." <laughs> I said, "Jack," I said, "the bloke, the bloke is a an impersonator, um, a bit of a dickhead." Um, <laughs> and I said, "There is no Rick. There is there there, there are just the three of us, yeah. me." Bob and you, so please rest. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, but he he he's sort of uh, he's degrading and embarrassing the family, you know, <laughs> mom and dad and everybody." I said, "Well, uh, mate, I repeat, he's an impersonator comedian." Yeah. Um, so I said, "Please don't worry about him." Yeah. That's so what did you What do you give his impersonation out of ten? Oh, probably up around the eight or the nine. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty uh, he, he, he's very good. Yeah. Uh, the only bloke that I've heard probably better than him is my son, Mark. He he's got me down to a T. <laughs> I mean, I might be uh, I might be supposed to be doing a commercial for somebody, and I can't make it. So <laughs> he does <laughs> he does the commercials. Yeah. Well, that no, works. I'm, I'm sort of joking there, well, but 
It's not. It's like we it's are, our yeah. little secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We know. can cut that bit out. Um, <laughs> how did you get the job? Well, not get the job. How did you get to do the voice on Bluey? I was sitting there watching it with my daughter the other, like during Origin period, and I was like, it's bloody Rab's in there. Yeah, that's right. It reminds me, the first job I did for Channel 9 were the, the Greyhounds um, at Wentworth Park and Harold Park. It was a show here called British Comedy Gone to the Dogs. <laughs> And uh, that was my first job on Channel 9 that I remember. And the last show I did, the last thing I did on television, was also with the dogs, the Blue Healer <laughs> in Bluey. I didn't even know, I didn't even, I'd never heard of Bluey. Oh, God, Bluey's um, huge. But it, absolutely massive. It's, massive. It's, it's won an Emmy, Emmy Awards or whatever. I don't know what it's won, but Mark, uh, he found them or they found him i'm not sure and he said they they want to uh, give you the mountainous amount of money to do it i said <laughs> how much he said about 99 dollars you know and i and i said oh mate we, we've got to get more than that for it but um i know that sounds mercenary but and then share my wife she stepped in and she said the little fella, that's uh, holly's boy uh, mateo they they live uh, with us um, and she said, you've got to do it. She said, Matteo watches it all the time. Mm. So I said to Marcus, see if you can get another dollar out of him, will you, make it 100 Because <laughs> I, I, I'd just gotten used to getting I, – I got out on 99 with Origin, so I thought if we can get 100 for doing Bluey, but no, seriously. <laughs> you, you speak of getting out on 99 Origins. Um, Ray Hadley is uh, of the opinion he's going to get to 100 and then retire. And then so retire. Um, what, how do you feel about that? Doesn't worry me. <laughs> Doesn't worry me at all. Um, I would. I would probably expect that he, he would be pretty close to it. I think he started. He started in '87, I think, um, which would be a couple of years before me anyway, because I, I didn't do an origin for Channel Nine until '89. Uh, mm. Yeah, '89. So he. He probably would, yeah. He, he'll get to the hundred easily. Yeah. On Origin, would would you prefer to call that or a grand final in terms of energy and? No, I love grand. I love grand, grand finals. Yeah, I do. I I love grand finals. The trouble with with Origin, I guess, is that you don't know. Sometimes when you go to work, you don't know that. You know, is this a decider? You think about game two. Game two is super value because you don't know whether you're going to watch a decider or not. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, you might have won game one. Mm. And if you win game two, that's it. That's the series. Interesting. Have you got it? Which, which one's your favourite grand final? There are two, which I, I imagine like the, I think it's... Is it 87? Knights Manly and then the Cowboys Broncos one where like they were really close. Oh... Uh, yeah, see, I was in the wilderness for about five years. Um, I uh, was, uh, if you like, supplanted by Rex back in '86 after the '86 Grand Final, and I was out of, I was out of play for five years. Um, so I, I've got to tell you that because I, I can't talk to you about the '87 Fatty's Grand Final. Mm. I can't talk about '88, '89, '90, '91 because I just wasn't interested. You know, I, I I'd lost interest because I was downcast. Mm. Um, and um, 
I therefore would think the one that was the most entertaining I've done would be the 2015. Mm. And I'm talking about particularly the last three minutes. I mean, that had everything. Uh, felt scores in the corner, levels. Thurston hits the uh, the uprights, bounces away. Golden point, they kick off. Ben Hunt drops the ball. I've never felt so sorry for a bloke in all my life. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, you poor bugger. And then on the fourth play, um, Jonathan just goes bang, and there it is, and he takes the premiership. Yeah. Again, another moment you nailed. You know, like that commentary, that's like a really famous piece that's replayed over and over and over again. Yeah, well, I'm proud of that, you know, because you're, you're right. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to nail that, yeah. That was incredible. Um, now that you're retired, are you prepared to admit that you're an Eels fan? I, I there was a period that I yeah there was a period I followed the Eels, but you got to you got to cut me some slack. When I came from young, um, I went to Two GB, um, and we bought a little house at Seven Hills. Um, then we moved up. Uh, we thought we were moving right up. We went to Northmead. And then we went from Northmead to Castle Hill. So I've lived in the Parramatta area mm. all my Sydney life. Uh, so you've got to know that. Mm. And then um, a young bloke, uh, Chris, he got involved um, with the SG ball at Parramatta and they went on to win the, win the SG ball. Uh, he, he won the Commonwealth Bank Cup playing for Parramatta Maris. There was a lot of Parramatta going on in, in, our, in our world, in our life. Mm. But when it came time for grading back in those days, you know, you're talking, I think you're talking first grade, second grade, third grade, or maybe first grade, reserve grade, under 21, something like that. Uh, Parramatta didn't, didn't want him, uh, or should I say they didn't need him. Um, and he went to Western Suburbs with, uh, with a lot of other kids from Parramatta. He went to Western Suburbs Magpies, not West Tigers. And... Um, I then found myself going with him to watch him play for Western Suburbs. And it was then that I realised, hang on, I'm not a true Eels supporter. Uh, the first time Western Suburbs played Parramatta, I, um, I was barracking for Western Suburbs okay. with, all of, with all of my vigour. <laughs> and, and then he went with the first pioneers to the Western Reds. So okay. then I found myself trying to watch the Western Reds and with all my vigour again, but it was hard to, it was hard to get them on television from memory. I, I, I don't know whether, whether Fox were doing all the games. I'm not quite sure. I okay. The so that, no. that's, that's the story about Parramatta, but at the end of the day, I, I was living in their territory. And I, be beca I, became, I became very good friends with, with Peter uh, and Peter Wynn um, and Arthur Beetson and Bob O'Reilly and all those people. Yeah, I, I admit to that. Would you be going for him this weekend? Um, not really, because I, I've learnt uh, since th that rumour became popular <laughs> that Eddie's talking about. <laughs> I I basically tried desperately after all of that just to be down the middle, mm. just down the middle, uh, and I, it actually it aggravates me when I <laughs> when I get told that oh you're biased towards Parramatta or you're biased towards New South Wales that, that's a load of baloney mm. just a load of baloney. Well, I must admit, I've I've never noticed any bias. No, other than that rumour, which I thought. I'd well, we just up. yeah, we'd heard the rumour, but no yeah. bias. No. Um, we just heard you talking before uh, we did this with Mike, 
and you were talking about Kerry Packer and those sort of days. What was it? What was Kerry like? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, to because because I was, I, I wasn't frightened of him, but I, I think the word is I was intimidated. Mm. I'd heard all these stories about he could be gruff, you know, mm. and uh, he he you know he, yeah. I was a bit intimidated, you know, and uh, somewhere along the line, somebody said that he. I can't remember what the conversation was, but I went through life thinking that he didn't like me. Um, he'd come to the canteen, um, our mobile canteen, and I'd find a way to, to go missing. Oh, yeah. He never ever came into the commentary box, um, not that I remember. Okay. Um, so I, I probably, I was, I was dreaming of somebody not liking me, and and and. I don't like that, you know. If, mm. you, if you don't like me, that's okay. But if you don't know me, um, why don't you? Why don't you just want to be friends? But yeah. Look, this, we're talking about the great Kerry Packer. I admire him unbelievably, and I still do. And then John Cornell, um, after Kerry had passed on, I said to John, I said, I don't think he liked me that much. And John said, You're kidding. He said he loved you. I said, Shivers. What a mistake. <laughs> what a mistake. I went to the wedding, actually. I went to James and Jody's wedding. Oh, really? Yeah. So you really didn't get to, you didn't have much no, to do that, with him that, over that, there? That, that was, that, I was just going to say that that's the only time I ever shook hands with him, and I don't think he knew he was shaking hands with me. Because we were, we're going, we're filing into the wedding, and you met the bridal group, James and Jody and Kerry and Roz, and everybody had been delivered by limousines, and it was piddling down. It was bucketing down. And they're all under umbrellas and they're getting wet. Where by now, we're in the foyer. And uh, I introduced Cher to Roz and she said, Ray, I know. That's right. When she came up, Roz said to Cher, hello, Cher, how are you? And I said, how do you know Cher's name? And she said, I've been doing the invitations for about six years or something like that. And with that, I then put my hand out to shake hands with Kerry. And he was shaking my hand, but he's looking over the top of Cher's head and says to Roz, Roz, you can't keep talking to everybody. They're out there getting drowned, the poor buggers. <laughs> so then he ushered me with the other hand under his armpit <laughs> in, into the next lobby. So I think that was the only time I've ever shaken hands with them. So man. that did nothing for your concerns about whether he liked you or not when he's just sort of <laughs> pushing you. We yeah. can't be sure. No, we can't be sure. No. no. When did you start to feel how, – how long into your commentary career did you start to feel like, I don't know, I guess maybe comfortable? Did you – or was it something that you never felt comfortable in it? You know, you've, you're such a household name now. Was there a tipping point or a moment where you were like, you know, it sort of sunk in? Sunk in what? I guess just like your place in Australian society or like the cultural rugby league. Part of the fabric. Thank yeah. you, Edward. I, 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 I think there's a combination of things there. Um, uh, the, uh, the Hall of Fame, that sort of convinced me that I must have done something right because <laughs> um, nobody from the press or the radio or television had been admitted or inducted to the Rugby League Hall of Fame. That that was something that I I think probably said to me, well, you've just about done it, you know, yeah. what, what's left now? Because along the, along the trail there's been uh, media Hall of Fame at the Sydney Cricket Ground, 
broadcast centre at Arleon Stadium, named after me, statue uh, at Junee, uh, Order of Australia, um, and then Hall of Fame. Um, I, I might have forgotten something there that... <laughs> Uh, uh, the knighthood, uh, the honour roll. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> the honour roll at um, Men of League. All of those things. They made they made an imprint on me. Make no mistake about that. Mm. You know, I, I was so proud. Um, and um, but it, it had to be the combination of things. And you say, geez, there's not much left to do, is there? Mm. Do you miss your your mates, Fatty Stella and Gus? Do you catch up? Have you caught up with them? No, not really, uh, Tom. Um, you've got to understand, I'm in my 80th year and they're sort of a generation behind me. Mm. Um, so we haven't got a lot in common, I, I've got to tell you. You know, Fatty, you've got more chance of finding him on a golf course than at home. <laughs> uh, Gus is fairly intense. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's the, no greatest, the greatest rugby league brain in the world, um, but I think he's been devoured by the game. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's but, a great way to put it. Yeah, but no, I, I don't get me wrong. I think he's an absolute, absolute freak how he, he understands television. Mm. Um, he understands television so beautifully. Um and Fatty, well, I dealt with him. Sturlo, uh, no, he, he's, he's sort of the same as, as Fatty. You know, they both love a punt and they both love their golf. Mm. Yeah. You, you were saying before you don't, you don't get to play much golf anymore. Do you still like to have a punt in your time off? Oh, well, I, I love to have a punt, but you don't have to play golf to have a punt. No, no, you don't. It was just because you were saying that Sturlo was a golfer and a punter. Oh, but, no, I, I meant both of them. They they like to have a punt on the horses and they love to have a punt on the golf, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Did you, we were wondering, like, did you used to have, uh, have you got any stories around uh, of some punting? You and Ray used to play golf a bit, didn't you? Or was he making that up or am I making that up? Oh, I think he makes it up a, a few times, you know. <laughs> there's a great old theory, you know, you don't spoil a good story by telling the truth. But uh, we, we played a lot together, yeah, against each other mm. and all the rest of it. And Sterling was a part of that. Um, but uh, my shoulders, um, again, there are things that are inevitable. And my shoulders, they got weaker and weaker and the ball didn't go as far, you know. Mm. I actually hit the ball backwards one day. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know why we're bogging down on golf. I mean, I, I wasn't much good. Um, well, yeah, I know you liked it. I remember when I was – like, it was the first day, I think, I was working at Triple M, and they were like, Ray's on the show. And I was like, holy shit, Ray Warren. And I would have to call you before the show and, like, talk you through the things we're thinking of talking about. <laughs> and you were on the golf course, and you'd be like, hold on a second, son. And you'd put your phone down, and then you'd go and I'd just hear a ball, like, smack in the background, and you'd come back. I'm like, how'd you hit it? And you're like, no, I smashed it. Like, you nailed it. <laughs> and like, we'd go on talking about the show. So, I mean, I knew you did enjoy your golf, but I just uh, – yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's disappointing. The shoulders have well, gone. You know, they had failed. A, yeah, yeah. They had a theory, not a theory. They had a commandment there that you'd be there an hour before the show. <laughs> I, 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 too busy playing golf, mate. I, I can't be there for a production meeting. So you'd ring up and I'd say, "Hang on, I've just got a six-foot putt here, and I'll come back." And that was our production meeting. <laughs> yeah. Did you have you ever owned a horse? No, no, no never. No, I syndicated one for a, a, a friend of mine 
couldn't pick its feet up. <laughs> and all I got was uh, criticism from the syndicators. There were five in the syndication, and I was, if you like, the self-appointed manager. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't an owner, no. But, oh, dear, oh, dear. You can train horses and do all that. You can syndicate horses, but you can't train the owners. You know, they all think they're buying Tullock. They all think they're buying Winx. It's not Winx. It's a very slow horse. And we finished up we finished up selling it to Macau. I think they paid a total of sixty thousand our dollars and we sold it to Macau for about ten. Okay. So a prudent investment. We couldn't get it to run a place in a barrier trial. <laughs> True story that. What was it called? Uh, what do they call it? I don't know. It was, it was a red Tony. It was a red Tony. I'll never forget that. There was a sire. I don't know what they called it. I can't remember. But we, uh, we had to run a place in a barrier trial so that we'd be able to sell it to Hong Kong or Singapore or Macau. <laughs> and my trainer, or the trainer, he rang me up. He said, there's five in this trial today. He said, we'll be running a place. I said, how do you work that out? He said, they're all my horses they're all my horses and they're all my track work riders and they know what we have to do. We have to get this red Tony to run a place. It still couldn't run a place. With all the help in the world, it still couldn't run a place. Oh, God. Mate, Good Lord. We appreciate your time. We will get you all, uh, we'll let you out of here in just a second. Um, just a couple of things before we let you go. I've had a birthday while I've been here. <laughs> Well, happy birthday, birthday, mate. Yeah, happy birthday. Um, How's it feel having a documentary made about you? Is it Calling Time, Ray Warren, on Channel 9? This is coming out on Friday night. That must be a bit surreal. Yeah, surreal is one word. Um, The trouble is I can't have a conversation with you about it because I'm only expecting uh, rather than knowing Mm. what's in it. Um, some guys have been working uh, their butt off, Alex Rolls and Liam Burkery, um, and they, they've been on the road and Liam has been the editor and Alex the producer. I'm aware of all of that. But I haven't any knowledge of what's in it other than I would suspect there'll be something to do with uh, Warren calling a time. Mm. In other words... I, I think it'll go back through my childhood and it'll make its way up to my career. Um, but from what I'm told, those that have been able to watch some of it, it it's it's apparently quite good. Yeah, and will you apparently. watch that at home with the family? Is that... Absolutely, yeah. I, I've, I've got no... Where would I go to watch it? Well, I don't know. They could be throwing you a party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Ask them to put it on at the pub. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, somebody said, said to me, where are you going to watch the grand final? I said, well, at home, in my lounge, you know. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I can go to the football, mm. no yeah. problem, but I'd rather not have to worry about taking my car, finding a car park and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I'll sit in the lounge and, and watch it there. We're going, to have, we're going to watch it in the studio, so you're more than welcome to yeah, join you can us. come if, down to our studio if you want to see if you want. No, I'd rather stay at home. <laughs> Fair call. No, I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite comfortable in my own company. No, yeah. that's fine. That's man. fine. No, oh, but I thought I'd... No, no, no it'd no, be rude it was, not to offer. No, well, it'd be rude not to say thank you, but I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one thing before we go. So there was a moment for me, Rabs, where 
I, and I just want to make sure that you didn't hear this, but I was, it was one morning I'd woken up after a large night and I was sort of popping my head out of the bathroom and I was talking to someone else that I was living with and I was detailing some events that had happened the night before, all legal, but a little salacious. And, you know, I was just detailing them to this person quite loudly. And then I've gone and picked up my phone and I've, you've, you're on the phone. And it's answered and I can see it like ticking over and I'm like, holy shit, what is going on here? And it's gone through to your voicemail, I assume. And so I realise that this detailed uh, sort of reenactment of the night before has been recorded on your voicemail. I never heard anything about it from you and I assumed that you hadn't heard it, but I just wanted to make sure that you hadn't heard a voicemail from me that went for like 15 minutes. That's how long it took you to tell the story. <laughs> I've forgotten. Was there a question? <laughs> take that as a no. I take that as a no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take that as a no. No, I, I, I didn't hear it. Otherwise, you would have heard from me. Okay, yeah. good, good. It was one of the more terrifying moments of my life. Yeah, we've been talking about it for years. Yeah, going, I wonder. It's good to know. Yeah. No, I... I I didn't get that. Oh, good. Mind you, I, I don't get mon- modern technology. I'm hopeless. Really hopeless. Yeah? Yeah. I, I just never wanted to keep up, and I, I haven't kept up. And uh, my mobile, I, I'll say to my, my wife or my daughter, I'll say, for God's sake, what, what have I done here, you know? And, <laughs> oh, it's just an absolute pain, absolute pain. And they say, oh, go online and do this and go online and do that. Go online? What do you mean go online? <laughs> what, what's the telephone number? You know, give me a telephone number. <laughs> and, and then there's all these ads that we do, you know, go to uh, tombirmingham.com.au. What do you mean? I can't even use the computer. <laughs> What's your telephone number? <laughs> just give the telephone Yeah, number. no, just give the telephone. Yeah. Well, mate. Uh, thank look, you very much. Thank Ray. you very much for your time. It genuinely, genuinely has been an honour to, to have you on the podcast and to have, you know, been able to work with you over the years. Congratulations on, on everything and uh, good luck, you know, with the mowing of the lawns and the cleaning of the pool and everything else. Pruning of the roses. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Landmines. <laughs> yeah, for, the landmines. You, you yeah. forgot the dog landmines. Yeah, <laughs> that's my major job. But, um, yeah, no, it's been nice talking to you. You know, we had, we had a lot of time together, Tom, didn't we? You mm. know? And i got to thank you for getting me out of the studio one day when I had a... I had some kind of a turn. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, but you were there, and between you and young Mark, uh, you got me to hospital, but they still can't find out what's wrong with me. That was bizarre, wasn't it? Well, I've forgotten to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'd actually forgotten I was in the studio. Yeah, that yeah. was what was weird. You were like, "What? where where, where am I? Yeah. And you're like, what's going on here? And we were like showing you the paper and giving you the time and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the the, the specialist, uh, after they'd run all the tests, said, we can't find anything wrong with you, but you had too much on your mind. You, your mind or your brain was trying to process too many things at the same time. And that's what brought it on. I'll tell you what, a computer might help you with that. You can... <laughs> Download a couple of your thoughts onto the computer and sort of clear the mind a little bit. You're, you're a typical Birmingham, aren't you? <laughs> uh, Thank you very much, Thank Ray. you, Ray. Appreciate my, it, mate. Enjoy pleasure. retirement. Beautiful. My Thanks. pleasure. Could you two just not talk anymore? Partners and Dribblers, just need to tell you about uh, the number one rosé ever created. That is uh, Big Day Rosé. Your boys here, obviously, Rosé Barons, amongst other things. 
Don't mind a rosé. Don't mind it. One that's light in colour, dry and fuckable. It's very fuckable. It's up for it. You know what I mean? Oh, this, mate, the rosé's up for it whenever you want it. Well, the type thing. The the beauty of being a rosé baron is I've always got rosé on hand, which is nice. And I've always got a bottle in the fridge just getting cold as fuck. You've always got a bottle that's keen. Keen as. Giving me eyes. Yeah, yeah. And fuck me eyes. Yeah, yeah, real fuck well, me drink eyes. Me a eyes. lingering stare. Yes. And had friends over the other night, and obviously I was like, I slipped a bottle out for everyone. Getting stares? Yeah, I was getting stares. It was sort of like whistling at me from the fridge. <laughs> Got out there, ripped the top off it, and we all enjoyed it. And I'm just like, Jesus, dude. Like, they're just, a rose doesn't get better. Still rose drinking season two, it's, in earnest. Oh, God, yeah. It's she fucking will. hot as shit. 37, 38. They're talking 40 this week, mate. 40 degrees. Tell me that's not rosé drinking season? It is. If you Come haven't on. Got any, if you haven't got any, get some. Get some now. While the getting's good because the getting won't be good for much longer. Hellosport.shop. Big day rosé. Get You're it. welcome. Get, get it down. You gob.